When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. Hank is here. Jake Schwanitz is here. And yeah, the, the whole state of college football as we know it is out the window, completely different than the last time we talked. It's chaos. USC, UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. Uh, sounds like as soon as 2024. Man, this is insane. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about the implications on college football as a whole, what this kind of means for the SEC, Big Ten, the other power leagues. Obviously, we'll focus on the local angle, what this means for CU and CSU, uh, what we think they should do, how we think it impacts them, all of that stuff. Before we get into the thick of it, though, let's just keep it simple and, and let's go with what was your instant reaction when you saw this I mean, it's not like shocking just in terms of the way this has gone the last couple of years with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. You know, the regional component of all this has really gone out the window. But what was your instant reaction? Hank, go first. Well, we got to set the scene because it was a weird time. Um, It was during the Avs Championship Parade. And we had gotten there at like six in the morning, like right when we were able to. So we're like way up at the front. And at that point, I didn't have any service. So Adam, Adam Mares yelled over and he's like, yeah, uh, USC and UCLA just left the Pac-12. I was like, what? He's like, they went to the Big Ten. I was like, what? And again, like, it's a championship parade. I'm hammered out of my mind. My phone won't work, so I can't get any answers. So I had like a full hour just to let that all stew in my brain. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I was going to process anything quickly just because of my state of mind. But I uh, I did not really get anywhere and didn't really process the news. Um, so a blank was my reaction. And it's probably, we can blame that on the alcohol, probably. <laughs> blame it on the juice. Got you feeling loose. Jake, how, oh. how did you take the news? Well, uh, my initial reaction was as a Michigan fan um, and, you know, a little excitement. I mean, Two more wins. USC and UCLA. Yeah, some fresh blood. Uh, I know Michigan's had their battles with uh, USC. I think USC's won six to seven. So from that angle, I'm stoked to see the Wolverines play the Spartans. But um, just wow. Um, I mean, we're talking about the Big Ten here. A, a conference that has schools in the Midwest stretching to the East Coast with Rutgers. And now we have Southern California in the mix. I mean, what the hell? Um, it was just initial shock and surprise, wondering if I read a fake tweet or not. Um, yeah, man, just 
so much to get into. Um, that that was the initial reaction, though. My Shout favorite. out to uh, these leagues. I'll, I'll let you go in a sec here, Hank. Shout out to these leagues for basically admitting like the whole you know, betterment of the student athlete and all that. They're just throwing that out the window. Now it's about TV money. I mean, when you talk about the travel that's going to go into this, it's one thing for football when you're playing one game a week. But I mean, think about basketball and some of the New York to Los Angeles cross trips. I mean, they're not flying, you know, on a, on a private jet. I mean, maybe they are now with this TV money. Maybe, maybe they're going to just go insane. I'm just saying it's not like the NBA and they're going to have an NBA-esque travel schedule all this is crazy, but I interrupted Hank. Go ahead. My uh, my favorite tweet was um, that it's a shorter trip from the Rutgers campus to Reykjavik, Iceland, than it is to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that I mean, you can take a oh my god, ridiculous. you can take the five hour flight from LA to JFK out in you know very east coast, coast to coast, mm-hmm. man, and you're still in Big Ten country. Uh. It's wild. And like the, the the big problem is like the equipment trucks for football where it's like, okay, what is it? A 41 hour drive. Somebody was saying, so you got to like send everybody's helmets and pads down and hope nothing goes at some point. There will be an issue with an equipment truck. It, it might not be in 2024. It, it might not be until 2020. At some point, at some point there will be an issue with an equipment truck. That's going to ruin one of these games. And I guess from what I've heard, football is really the only sport with equipment trucks like softball and stuff. Even all that, you don't really need the big truck, which is uh good, but still like Justin said, like managing those flights is not easy and it's easier now than it's ever been before, but it's still, I mean, you're, you're making connections and that sort of stuff. And that's just not a good time. You know, maybe you see uh USC and UCLA buy some like land out in Kansas or something just to hold the trucks up there. The, the USC Kansas campus. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's I mean, just I gonna mean, have like a centrally located equipment shed that they can restock up on. Just all right. So like a, the leagues when you grew up in the eighties and all that, it's just the general equipment. Here's your helmet, here's your shoulder pads. They'll just you gotta turn them in at the end of the year. These are the Pac 12 pads. Yep. I, that's, just, I mean, that's what we're looking at, I guess. I mean, something's going to have to happen. You can't, I mean, what's the point of driving a truck back and forth from across the country like that? One of the things that I want to get into to with you guys is just, is this actually good for college football? Now, I think there's a couple of different distinctions that you need to make when talking about this, because for people like us that watch all the games and all the major leagues obsess over the NFL draft, you know, we're going to be intrigued by some of these Big Ten SEC matchups and, you know, the talent that's going to be available. I just, as somebody that grew up, you know, loving all the regional rivalries and the old Big 12 and, you know, CU Nebraska and all that stuff, to just see all the history, you know, and we're talking like a hundred years worth of history go out the window and, and all just for money. I don't love it. My my gut reaction is that for the vast majority of college football fans in the country, this news was really dejecting. Yeah, I think that that's true. I mean, it's just hard to say like, like vast majority of diehards, like probably, because I do think it's really good for the top end of college football. I think that when it, inevitably you do wind up with these two super leagues, 
the casual football fan, maybe not even call them college football fan, just casual football fan, probably more interested in watching what's happening on Saturdays. Um, I know personally, as somebody who doesn't have like those deep ties to any teams, the the big games between all of these teams like that, that is really appealing to me. Um, it's just tough to say whether, you know, the, the fans of the hundred teams that aren't in a better position because of this, like they're probably, there may be more of them than there are of teams in those two conferences, plus just general college football fans. But it's hard to say. I mean, I, I no, think there's pros absolutely and there's cons. It, it, was a na- it was a national sport. That was one of the things that was great about college football. And we're heading to NASCAR territory. Not quite as bad, whereas, but it's going to be, you know, the South and then the Midwest and then these like little pockets on the West Coast with LA. And then like, I don't know. I just, it feels yeah. like maybe we have a different subdivision going. That's the thing about this is there's just a million different things that could happen because of this and trying to guess accurately what exactly is going to happen is kind of pointless, but I, I don't know. You're, you're, you guys are like, right. It's going to be fun, but I just, I don't know. I, I it, do wonder if eventually the allure wears off and people are like, well, it's still not as good as the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now we don't have any of the rivalry. We don't have any reason to show up. There's going to be wonky TV times to accommodate mm-hmm. this stuff. Like, I don't know. The in-person atmosphere, I think, is going to be less intense. We'll see. You also have all of the college football going to places where there are just more football fans. So you like you kind of hate that that's kind of just going to these islands and then you just have these deserts of college football. I mean, even like USC doesn't fill half its stadium most of the time. Um, UCLA, I mean... UCLA will get 10,000 fans except for when LSU comes to town. And so, and and those are obvious. I mean, that's USC and UCLA. And so I do think that like, if, if you go out to Bama and whatever, there's 4 million people in the entire state and they're getting 80, 90, whatever thousand people every single week. Like, I don't know that that means you just abandon everywhere else, but there is a reason that everything is collecting where it is collecting. Now, I agree with what Hank said. I think that, you know, we can look at this very soon, if not immediately in 2024, 2025, and say that this was good for the top of college football for whatever happens to the big 10 and the sec. I mean, they've obviously taken a lead um, and, you know, you can only assume it's going to get larger. They're only going to add more teams as we move along. Uh, other side of it, though, I mean, to me, this has kind of been coming on for like 15 years, man. You got to go back to the fall of the Big East, um, you know, at the end of the early aughts there. I mean, it was kind of the end of or the end of college football in a way back then. I mean, rivalries are broken up then and it's just all kind of progressed. Um, so I do kind of understand why you would feel that way, because, I mean, you are really ripping out the roots of the sport in a way. Um, but I still think that there will be a way to keep a lot, not a, most of the tradition, but you're still going to get a lot of these rivalry games, um, you know, out of conference scheduling is still going to happen. No matter what happens with these top two leagues, I don't think that you're just going to see them just playing each other. I th- think you're going to see a lot of parity still in terms of who plays who in terms of out of conference scheduling. Um you know, we're not going to be able to get as many of those Appalachian State, Michigan moments, you know. Uh, th- that's one thing I think is gone. Um, you know, Henry Montana and uh, 
Washington last year. I mean, stuff like that, where these gaps between these teams now are just increasing. Uh, I think that's the thing that kind of goes away. But in terms of traditional rivalries and stuff, I don't think that it's exact all. Sorry. I don't think it's all exactly by the wayside just yet. I still think that there's some legs uh, for the smaller schools and these rivalries to kind of stand on. I hope, I guess my concern is if you're, if you're one of these schools, that's if you're a Washington state, if you're a CSU, obviously, you know, you can look at CSU, Boise state, G five schools are especially, but even if you're a Washington state, uh, a Texas tech, a Colorado, what is the point of investing at the rate that you are when the financial return is not going to be there? I just wonder if it ends up being like, we have these two super leagues and then, you know, the rest of these schools kind of invest at like an FCS level, you know, I mean, there are some programs obviously in the FCS that are really committed and typically that tends to do with having a strong regional fan base like Montana, you know, like Eastern Washington, those type of schools, North Dakota state, South Dakota state. I don't know though, man. I just, I think a lot of these schools that have been spending and spending and spending is, you know, under the assumption that they would somehow factor into this future of college football are kind of recognizing like, Oh, we got left behind too. Yeah. I, you know, for Colorado, it's, it's about, they'll spend the money as long as they have the money. Like they're not going to stop spending unless they just don't have any money to spend. And that all comes to like, we'll figure it out before that uh, 2024 football season, when the new PAC 12 media deal kicks in the deal that, I mean, so the big 10 is negotiating now and those negotiations were supposed to be done in like a month or two months makes you think this has been going on under the table for quite a while. And it was time to pull the trigger. And then they go back to the TV partners and say, okay, we got them. Now we can get in. I think that's all going to go pretty quickly at this point. But you know, as soon as that's over the, all the reports are that that's the, immediately after is when the PAC 12 negotiations start. And now when you are looking at growing your, your media income per school per year from, you know, 36 million to 50 million, I think would have been probably pretty reasonable. Um, are you going 36 to 32? Like, are you going 36 to 30? Are you going down? And, and there's a lot of factors there, including, I mean, it sounds like Washington and Oregon were tried to get into the Big Ten and they wouldn't take them. And John Wilner just reported like 10 minutes ago, he, from the Mercury News, covers the Pac-12 better than anybody. Um, he said they were rejected. But if the Big Ten can get Notre Dame, then they probably try to add Notre Dame, North Carolina, those two schools, and then kick it up that notch. Um, but for now, it looks like Oregon and Washington are stuck. So if you still have Oregon and Washington, at least you have something and you start talking about like the big 12 and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of it is still up in the air, but as long as they have money, they will spend the money that they are earning. Um, you just have to spend it well enough to earn more next time around, you know, to, to keep making more money than you spend. Yeah. And look, people are going to want to watch the games. I mean, we've already mentioned it. Um, you know, at least us, at least I know we will. And I know there's a lot of people out there like us that'll be excited to watch um, you know, Colorado and Washington state duke it out pack 12 after dark, um, middle of September, you know? So we'll see. I mean, again, this is all kind of just projecting we're in the infant stages here and what Hank said about, um, Notre Dame kind of picking up steam to join the big 10. I've seen some of that too. And I think that, I mean, that's just how it's going to be now. I think that the sec and the big 10 are kind of going to have their pick of the litter at this point. 
um, once they get to that number that I don't, I don't know, what would you say? 40 ish teams. I mean, I, 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 it's tough to say at this point, but once you kind of get to that number, uh, it all kind of fills in beneath them. Right. And you're, you're, so what's really happening. It's just a reshuffling of college football. You're kind of re-tiering it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, frankly, it kind of had to happen, man. I mean, going back to when the big East fell and, you know, teams in the big 12 were kind of moving in and out. And then all of a sudden Texas and Oklahoma's out. I mean, a reshuffling was just due. I guess my counter is, has all of this actually made the sport better? Because it feels like we have less parity than ever before. It's the most predictable it's ever been in terms of who's the top heavy teams. There's a strong part of me that is kind of romanticizes the BCS era and just wishes I could just go back to that. I wish that teams played each other that had regional rivalries and historic precedents. I wish that the old big 12s still existed. (laughs) I wish that a lot of things, but I don't know. I just, I I agree. I mean, this was inevitable. So like acting like this was, you know, shocking is kind of silly. If you paid attention to the sport, I would say the timing of it is surprising. I think it's happening faster than we all expected, but it, it was inevitable. I don't know. I just, I am concerned as you know, obviously somebody that covers a G5 team, but even I, I do think it's going to have significant impacts on some of these other schools. You know, CU, Kansas, Kansas State programs. I, I grew up following in, in football and and basketball, and part of that is just my emotional attachment. I get that. Got to separate it, but I don't know. It's just a weird time to be a fan. It is weird. We can get into like what's next in a bit, and like how this will all shake out, what the moves are, but. I mean, if you're if you're like Colorado, for example, you know, power five school that that now is in one of these not good power five conferences. I'm yeah. Once once Oklahoma and Texas left, the Pac-12 was in that spot where it's like, okay, we were probably better at football than than those guys. Now we absolutely are. And then now you're just right back here where you lost two big programs. It's like, actually, maybe not. Um, But like it's time to make really big moves and see if there's a way to compete with these 16, 20 team conferences of mostly brand name schools. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what we think is going to happen with the rest of these Pac-12 and Big 12 schools and Mountain West schools, just kind of the the Western half of the country, which is obviously, I mean, outside of USC and UCLA now largely looks pretty irrelevant in the national landscape of things, at least. Um, Before we get into that, though, Got to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, guys. The calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie, there are a ton of ways to come out on top in the octagon. But with UFC 276, there's one more. That's DraftKings Sportsbook, baby, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers, place a $5 bet on any fighter. Get $100 in free bets, win or lose. It's super easy. You don't even have to get it right. So whether it's Adesanya with a knockout kick or a powerful punch from Cannoneer, you're going to win no matter what. With DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can turn another small bet into a big payday, combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. With UFC 276, you can place the Same Game Parlay. If it hits, your money doubles. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter. Win $100 in free bets no matter what. That promo code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. Eligibility and age restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. And also Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breck did a whole bunch of really awesome things for 
the the community, I guess, in a bunch of different ways uh, during this Avs Cup run. Um, whenever they score, whenever the Avs score two goals in the first period, everybody's Avalanche Amber Ales were on Breckenridge Brewery. Um, a portion of all proceeds from the Avalanche Amber Ales were donated to people who were impacted by the fires in Boulder. They were sending Avs fans to games. They're sending community heroes to games. It was really cool stuff. It's part of the reason we really like Breckenridge Brewery here. And uh, I'm not going to lie. After yesterday's parade, I'm not I'm not fiending for a Breck brew today. But I can promise you that tomorrow, nice Saturday, not much going on. I'll be sitting right here pretending to watch football while I uh, drink a Breckenridge beer. Sometimes the hair of the dog helps out. I don't know, man. That is true, isn't it? It's, a, it's science, as they say. <laughs> Check out the... Uh, the Breck Beer Locator to find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you. Go get some ice-cold Breck brews. Make your weekend a hit. Make your 4th of July a hit. All right, let's talk about what's going to happen with some of these other teams. Um, obviously, we'll talk about CU and CSU specifically, but really, like, if you are the Big 12, if you are the Pac-12, what do you do here? Do you just combine with the remaining members? That feels like it's still not that intriguing. Do you just try and make like the best of the rest and make some new hodgepodge with like Oregon and Washington and San Diego state and Boise state and maybe throw UNLV in there for the Vegas market, even though they have had zero athletic success in anything for 30 years. I don't know. It, I, I really don't know what you do, but I'm curious what you guys think. It's weird. Um, let's just start by running through this just because I think it's interesting to look at. This is the, the last AP poll from last season. So where everybody stacked up at the end of the day. So number one, SEC, then SEC, then Big Ten, then Cincinnati, which is going to the Big 12, then Big 12, Big Ten, Big 12, Independent Notre Dame, Big Ten, Big 12. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Oklahoma's gone. That's SEC now. Uh, SEC yeah. again. Pac-12, ACC, 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 Sunbelt, Big 12, SEC, BYU's independent, ACC, Big 12. SEC, Pac-12 12 now. Oh, BYU's they are Big, Big 12, 12, aren't they? So yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you look at that, there's quite a few Big 12 teams in there. And it, not honestly, not a lot of Pac-12 teams. You got Utah there at 12. You got Oregon at 22. But you could see how this Big 12 you know, Big 12 tried to merge with the Pac-12 last year, and the Pac-12 just said, no, <laughs> losers. And then this happens, and so who knows what this is going to look like. Now I think it'd be um, the other way around. Now I think if you're the Big 12, you'd be like, why would we, we'll just offer Oregon and Washington, and the rest of you can kick rocks. Yeah, right. we'll take Utah, mm-hmm. too. And then Colorado says, well, hopefully you take us, too. Maybe yeah, like, they need a travel partner, right? Exactly. And then CSU's like, hey, don't forget about us. We used to be in a league with Utah. Yeah, maybe make a case for the Arizona schools, not because they're good at football, though, so that's tough to do. But but yeah, I do think that, like, I don't know. Maybe we need to role-play this one. Let me let me take your uh, average Pac-12 school. Justin, advocate for the Mountain West. Jake, you take a uh, uh, Big 12, Big 12. here. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll throw some ACC talk in there later. But, um, like, I, if you're the Pac-12, like, you got to go to the Big 12 and just be like, hey, can we can we jump in here because... You guys have some good football teams. We've got Oregon. We've got Washington, which is the Seattle market. We've got Utah, which is going to be ranked in the top five before the season. Like, just take our top four, five, maybe six schools. Makes sense, right? I mean, it sounds good on paper. Um, 
you know, when you get the TV and all that stuff worked in though, it, it makes it an interesting factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what's going to happen here though, is we're really going to see like a reorganization. I kind of already mentioned it, but a reorganization of the second tier of football. And you're going to see not, an, I don't want to say scheduling alliance because we saw that that already kind of fell apart between what the big alliance? 10 and the ACC <laughs> and Pac-12. But I mean, you're, they're going to have to group up in some way, the big 12, the Pac-12, the Mountain West. Um, maybe th- you throw some Sunbelt teams in there and then you're going to have teams that just don't make it into the SEC and to the Big Ten. I mean, looking at teams like Rutgers, looking at teams like Vanderbilt, um, those teams, they're not going to be sticking around much longer, I don't think, in just the current landscape of things. You can't uh, kick them go out, back- though. That's the thing, though. Like, right. if the Big Ten says we want to kick Rutgers out, I think that has to be a unanimous vote. And then you have, like... Uh, and they'll stick together. You'll get a couple exactly. of schools that'll always be like, all right, like exactly. you don't vote us out. We don't vote you out. Maryland's not going to vote Rutgers <laughs> out because then Maryland's the next one out. So like you just, the, the way it could happen is they just start a new conference. Exactly. So like, oh, yes. we're all leaving. We're starting a new one. 10 of the 16 are invited. That's more I like, think that's what's going to happen. It's been so long though. I mean, how the Mountain West formed the WAC, you know, the original WAC mm-hmm. members were like, you mm-hmm. want to know what? We've diluted this conference. We've added a bunch of members that aren't bringing anything to the table. We're making all the money. We're the teams that anybody cares about. Peace. It, it's, I mean, it's all just so up in the air right now. But uh, to go back to what Hank said, though, about the Big 12, I mean, what do you kind of, what is your plan here? I mean, if I'm running the Big 12 here, I think you have to look at, you know, those schools, uh, Utah for sure. Um, you know, you got to maybe see if San Diego state would be willing to make the jump Boise state. Um, you just got to that beneficial when you already brought on BYU though. Cause you I have, mean, the I, that might be why it's beneficial. Yeah. Does that but they're a better football intrigue? program, but what do you mean? I mean, you can just get that rivalry in your, in your conference now. I mean, it's, it's, you get to tell, the I don't rights. know if it's right. I don't know if it's been, they've been in a conference. Um, before, I mean, I don't go too far back on BYU history, but uh, I mean, Utah and BYU were in the point. Mountain West together. Yes, Salt Lake is a <laughs> is a solid media market. It's nothing special, but I mean, if you're comparing it to like the Kansas schools, because all you're trying to do when you add a team is say, like, on average, is your worth to the media deal bringing up the average payout per team or knocking it down? And I, I bet just mean Utah, BYU's TV revenue is going to bring a lot more to the table than the University of Utah or Utah State. You think SDSU does? No, BYU. BYU. Oh, BYU. I thought you said SCSU. I was like, yeah. Because you have the national following, which is just... Totally. Yeah. But but Justin, doesn't adding... If you're someone like the Big 12, why wouldn't you target teams like Utah and BYU? Because, I mean, this is something that you were talking about when we opened. I mean, you want to keep tradition. I mean, that's one of the I like longest I, yeah. rivalries. So, I mean, I think that's kind of got to be your strategy for these conferences, you know. Um, maybe go get Nebraska again, see if they'd be down to kind of join up, uh, snag Colorado too. You can bring that rivalry back together. You know, I mean, I think there's ways to think about that while also keeping like tradition and rivalries intact too. I'm not, Utah I don't think you're pulling State. anybody out of the big 10 though. I don't either. That money is <laughs> yeah. like, sorry, I can't yeah, hear you. I also, Poor people around here. You also have to look at the short term too, though, where it's like right now with these two leagues forming the way that they are, like you just need to kind of keep a foothold in like the, the top 25 rankings, you know, like you can't just get blown out of the water. And that's why like Utah long-term, like I think you're bringing in more money with Utah than you are with like, you know, a, a 
Kansas and, and some of those. Okay, you hoops. I don't know. Just because you get the March Madness. It's element. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so also, it's a really good school. If it is close, I think it's worth throwing the, the, the teams that are actually good in. But then I also think you have to look at the ACC. And I, I don't think Clemson would be willing to go. But I mean, I'm sure they've already reached out to Clemson. But I mean, you kind of, if this is going to work, you need to say Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, Washington, probably Miami, probably Utah, Miami. See if you can get Miami. And it's more likely that this starts going. And then all of a sudden the SEC calls and says, hey, you know what? Actually, we'll, we'll take you. Just to kind of right. state's gonna be an shut SEC. the door on the Big Twelve, and then oh, also potentially pulling some revenue, but who knows? I mean, Clemson also. I I think Clemson's got to be. I think I took them number one when we did that draft. I mean, this is you know one of the blue blue bloods. You know, I use quotation marks there in college football right now, um, even though they had a down year last year. But that's a that's a huge get, man. If you get Clemson, oh yeah, especially if you're the SEC, well. Like I said, you still have South Carolina, man. You want to keep that rivalry intact? Go after Clemson. I mean, that's a way to appeal to old school fans right there. Is there any chance we could end up with a scenario where we just like create a new league around here that somehow, you know, like Utah and BYU and CU and CSU and Oregon and Washington and San Diego State and Boise State and do you take Cal in that scenario? Are they even, I guess? Sure. Throw them in. I mean, throw them in, man. Throw Kansas, in. Kansas yeah. State, maybe that, maybe you take those schools. I don't, then what happens I with think, the Texas schools? You know what I mean? Like, it, do you just make honestly, a 20-team league on this half of the country? Yeah, man. I, I think, think I, that's going to yeah. be part of the solution. I mean, part of it is, of course, surviving, finding out who's going to survive, what conferences survive. But I mean, you got to kind of find alliances too, man. You got to find schools and football programs in similar situations. Um, and that's kind of how I guess you begin to set the foundation for, I don't want to say lower tier, but I mean, it's becoming like a new lower tier of football. I mean, we're going to eventually get a new sort of league or alliance between the Big Ten and the SEC that becomes, you know, your premier uh, minor league or feeder. Uh, football league because that's that's what we're headed towards. I mean, these two teams or these two conferences, I mean, the reason they're kind of broke away and really tried to group up like this is because they felt like they were better than what they had right now. And, you know, once they get everyone that they want in those conferences, it's just going to be, you know, a united almost league. I mean, I'd be surprised, honestly, if the Big Ten and the SEC actual names kind of stick around much farther than the 2025-2026 timeline. Yeah, it's possible. I think, I mean, if, if you're any of these other teams, you know, the the relevant but not currently included group, where it's like the Oregon and the Washington and maybe throw Baylor in there and those those sorts of schools. I think the, the only goal you can have is to make this a big three and not a big two. And you just find every possible, and give yourself the best possible chance of turning it into a big three by taking whoever you can from these other conferences and figuring it out. So let me ask you guys this then. How how does politics and the difference in like culture play into this? Because obviously one of the big things with the Pac-12 historically had been, you know, it's the premier academic league. You have to have, you know, certain level of uh, research or whatever. Hank, you can better clarify what yeah. this is. 
whatever. You got to be a really good school. You know what I mean? You got it's. They're not just letting anybody in. Nowadays, it seems like you kind of have to throw that out the window if you're the Pac-12, unless they these remaining members just hang on to the stubborn belief that, like, you know, no, we're we're gonna do this route and higher education and all that. You've got to throw that out the window, right? Like some of these schools, Cal's got to be able to be willing to be in a league with Baylor and TCU, despite what that might mean. Yeah, why not? Like it's not a it's not a school league. Like it's a it's a football league, and so yeah, like what are we doing here anymore? And it turns out the people who understand, like USC, has turned into a very very good school. UCLA, like those are easily top half of the Pac-12 academic schools and if they're the ones saying yeah we'll throw that out the window and get over to the big tent like sure maybe stanford isn't on board who cares though who really cares so yeah i mean you really just do have to figure out how you're going to survive in college sports the answer is probably joining the big 12 just because it's easier the the payment's lower because the the tv deal ends so soon with the pac-12 what you just asked justin i think is why you know teams like rutgers and Vanderbilt should be scared because it's not about academics anymore. I mean, it's, as Hank said, it's about football. And I mean, these aren't good football teams. There's no two ways about it. I mean, Rutgers and Vanderbilt, two, I mean, two of the worst power five teams, let alone in their conference. I mean, these are not good teams. They just don't fit in with the rest. And it's obviously headed towards some type of uh, minor league feeder league, like I was saying. And I'm sorry, just not many NFL players come from Rutgers and Vanderbilt. And I think that's kind of what the goal is for this realignment is to make a better football league at the top of college football. Did Jay Cutler go to Vanderbilt? Oh yeah, he did. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so take that. I think Jay, if, uh, Jay Cutler. <laughs> I think if you're a CSU fan and you're looking at this situation, I think, like I said, I think most fans on this half of the country recognize that this is probably bad for most of the teams over here. But I think if you're a CSU fan, you don't feel the same way CU fans do. Because I think if you're a CU fan, you're freaking out right now because obviously your league just destabilized. If you're CSU, I think the hope has to be, or the thought process has to be, I don't know what is going to come of this. All I know is that I need to be in a different situation than I am right now. If two years from now... CSU is in the Mountain West Conference as is. No changes have been made. That league doesn't go out to do anything. They can't get out and get somewhere better. That's a massive failure on CSU's part. They need to end up in one of these League of the Leftovers and, and figure it out. Obviously, it sucks that they have not been more successful over the last decade. It was a huge missed window. Post-Jim McElwain and Ram fans are going to... It's going to be one of those things like 40 years from now when I'm ranting to my grandkids like you don't understand they missed their windows this five-year period it was but what does this mean for cu like if two years from now cu is just in the pac-12 and it's those 10 schools that's a failure right probably i mean i'd be very surprised if it's those 10 schools in the pac-12 i feel like something's got to change i mean if you're cu i obviously want to get into the big 10 if you get into the Big Ten, all of a sudden you're you got a fresh start with a hundred million dollars a year coming in. The the pitch is you get to reunite the the rivalry with Nebraska. I think the odds are really slim that they're going to get into the Big Ten, though. Although, again, that's where you try. Second best option. I mean, it's it's 
finding a way to to build a league, be a part of that process of of you know either merging the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you know, some Pac-12 teams jumping ship to the Big 12, maybe some Big 12 teams jumping ship to the Pac-12, um, or even just starting your own league and trying to get a Clemson in and making those sorts of just massive moves where you say, this is now the, whatever, the the our new football league, and we're inviting Washington and Utah and Oregon and Baylor and... Uh, we're going to try to get Clemson, we're probably not going to give them, try to get Miami, go, go through all those and see if you can just find 12 schools like that. I mean, honestly, you just need to be another 16, 20 team league and try to build a big enough profit that you can make the money those other, other uh, or build enough, better, good enough product that you make the same money that those other leagues get. Yeah, I mean, it's about being kind of real with who you are, where your program is at this point in time, and then just trying to do your best to accurately project uh, project the trajectory and just how good the program can get around that, what, 2025, 2026. I feel like that's the the major marker we're all headed towards right now. Um, for CSU's case, though, I mean, they're kind of in the right fit for their conference right now. I mean, you got Wyoming, you have a rivalry there. Um, of course, it'd be nice to see them play CU more frequently. Um, but, you know, CU's kind of in a similar situation now, too, in terms of the trajectory of the program. I, I think it's more likely than not, honestly, that CSU and CU, whatever ends up happening, I think they'll end up being together in whatever conference or, uh, I don't know, league or whatever we call it now uh, that they end up in. Yeah, I mean, if you're CSU, and that's the push, right? So like, hey, CU, let's band up here. We've, we've got a, we got a thing going on. Let's let's sell that. Um would CU be willing to do that, just in your opinion? Like, to me, because I, I think they're too prideful. There's potential for it. Um, obviously, like, it's nice just to win the state, right? When when it comes down to it and, and it, a kid has to say, well, I want to stick around Colorado. Do I want to go to the Power 5 school or the Group of 5 school? It's good. It's good to be in that situation if you're CU. Also, I mean, but we're going to a power two or who knows, maybe a power three and then maybe like a middle three and then like uh, whatever else. And I think you have to be realistic with that and figure out how you sell yourself the best to, I mean, basically every other school in college football and make people want to to line up with you. Um, and if you're CSU, I mean, you just got to do whatever you can to be one of these backfill teams, you know, as you know, the, you see guys leave the big 12, leave the, the Pac-12. I mean, what they make, is it like a million, $4 million a year in their media deal versus right now, Colorado gets 35 mil versus the big 10 getting a hundred mil. So if you can get up to that next tier and have another $30 million to play with, that would go a really long way. And, you know, Colorado has got to try to get into that top level tier, but if push comes to shove and it makes sense for them to say, we can build our product. We can play the Rocky Mountain Showdown the last week of every season. We think we're just going to win it every time. Plus, we'll be in a conference with, you know, maybe it's the current Pac-12 with Boise State and, and San Diego State and, and CSU. I think that, you know, that's not the dream scenario. I don't think it's the number two scenario, but it is probably better than just letting things play out and, and waiting and seeing and sitting with 10 teams for the next half decade. My question to you guys, though, maybe are we just thinking too hard about this, though? I mean, look at the Pac-12. Look at, I mean, of course, UCLA and USC have just left. 
but look at the teams remaining and then look at the mountain West. I mean, this is a similar like geographical area. I mean, mm-hmm. why not just bring them together? I mean, shoot, throw the big 12 in there too, at this point, because they've decided that they're going to be a coast to coast conference too. I mean, you have teams in Cincinnati, you have teams in Texas in the Midwest. So, I mean, the more we talk about it, honestly, the more it just makes sense to me that, you know, maybe this mountain West, uh, the big 12, the Pac-12, maybe you have whoever kind of falls out of the ACC, uh, maybe the AAC too. I mean, they're all kind of in the same boat right now, right? I mean, that's kind of, I think, something I've been preaching on this whole episode is that, I mean, there's just a redefining of the tiers now. There's obviously the Big Ten and then the SEC, and then everything else is kind of below that. And so once the Big Ten and the SEC kind of figure out what they're doing, it's just the natural reshuffling of the deck um, but you got to start from the top. That's just the only way that you kind of really get everything reshuffled and getting everything to kind of fit and make sense, at least for now, or at least 2025. I don't think a straight up merger would make sense. Cause again, like the, the TV networks say that those are worth, those teams are worth $4 million a year, comp- whatever. It's like 10 million now. So what they is it 10 a year? Fox, okay. Yeah. yeah so something like 10, that. Yeah. At the same time, though, it is about like what they're worth in the future and not what they're worth right now. So if you're the Pac-12 and you don't have USC and UCLA, then you say, well, we're not exactly. getting 35 again. Are we getting 25? Are we getting 30? Right. Like, who's who's to say? And maybe at that point you say, well, uh, bring Colorado State in because that makes sense. Bring in Boise State because they're good. Again, it's not like Boise is a huge market. I doubt Air Force makes the cut just because they're not bringing you any TV money. Um, Hawaii, same thing. Um, but there could be like those four teams that make sense to add. Um, it's it's just really tough to say at this point. I think if you're the Pac-12, you seriously look at San Diego State and Boise State, obviously, just from athletic success. San Diego's a decent market, too. It's okay. not really like a college town. That's the one thing I keep trying to make clear whenever people talk about them. It's not like they have this rabid support. You know, yeah. like it's it's a great town. It's a place I'd love to go. It's not like a place where I'm like, oh, you know where I want to go for college game day? San Diego. Yeah. You go to watch the Padres. Yeah. You know, I, I think you um, look at those two. I think you look at Fresno State. And I think you yes. look at CSU and UNLV. Everyone else in the Mountain West and UNLV is purely for Vegas, like other than that and yep. the Raiders Stadium. Like that's what you're banking on. You get to have bowl games there. You get to do all that. And you could do that anyways without even adding UNLV, but because mm-hmm. of the, it's the Raiders stadium and not just theirs. But um, I think those are the only schools, just Wyoming, New Mexico, those type of markets, Air Force. Yeah. You're just not bringing it up to the table. If you're Utah State, you're hopeful that you just get like brought along with, you know, Utah and exactly. BYU. But I, I think there is a sense of like Utah and BYU would be like, well, why would we bring them? It's kind of the same reason San Diego State was never able to get into the Pac-12 was all those other California schools was like, so well, yeah, this is the little brother. Why do we let them in? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I want to go back to what Hank was talking about, though, with the, um, you know, kind of like what CU would be potentially worth in a new TV deal and stuff. And look, I'm not trying to talk shit or like make fun of you or anything, but you just kind of you got to be honest with like who you are, because the reason you're getting that 35 or whatever the number is that you're getting right now from the current TV deal, it's not because of CU football, man. It's because of Oregon. It's because of Utah. It's because of UCLA and it's because of USC. So maybe you've been kind of earning more than you should technically at this point. So, and teams like, 
you know, Boise State, Utah State, um, San Diego State in the Mountain West maybe haven't been earning as much from TV as they should. So I think those things just all kind of level out naturally, too, in this kind of uh, reshuffling process. Yeah, I mean, it is tough to say. I mean, if, if you were to play Colorado, Nebraska every year, then there would be value in that. You know, that would be a game that everybody turns on. Like what they played two years ago and it was the second most expensive ticket in all college football that year. So you, you, that's the pitch you make to the Big Ten and say, like, that's what we can be. And we have these histories with these other teams. Again, I don't think they're getting in the Big Ten. Um, but then at the same time, you're not, you know, you don't demote yourself, right? And so right now right. there's there's 10 people voting on every decision um, that the Pac-12 makes, and Colorado is one of them. And so worst case scenario for Colorado, you say, hey, we're going to hold on with these 10 teams. We're going to get our 25 mil a year. And and we're 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 going to find more success in football. Remind everybody how cool Boulder is and how fun these games can be. You know, it is weird how everything in college football happens in cycles. You know, there's teams are good for two years and then go on the downswing for a bit, and then they kind of suck and then they build back up. And every team just goes through those. And Colorado's been on this downswing for a bit now. You know, if, if this is all happening after that rise season in 2016. Then, then they'd be in a much better place. People would be like, oh, yeah, right. Colorado, they're back. Colorado, Remember, they were all fun in the 90s. Like, who knows? If this had happened in 2001, well, then they'd be in great shape. Um, and so mm-hmm. some teams just get hit at good points. Some teams get hit at bad points. And it's tough to feel it's bad. In 2001, CU. CSU and CU might both be in the Big Ten conversation. Totally. Like, legitimately. Totally. Yeah. And it's just um, like, it sucks for CU that this is happening now. But also, just about any point in the last 15, 20 years, would not have been a good time for it. And so at some point you say, this isn't bad luck. It's, you know, it's failure. It's failure to capitalize. Yeah. And both of these programs are, are guilty of it. They, yep. they have largely fallen irrelevant and it sucks. You know, that's, there have been moments in the sun. You got 2016 with the rise. CSU invested in a major way. They opened the new stadium in 2017. That was a huge missed opportunity for them. They were, you know, favored to win the league. They start the year by beating Oregon state. They contend well against number one, Alabama. And they do what they always do and choke in league play and lose to Boise State and Wyoming and Air Force in concession. They just, they got to start winning games. Ultimately, if you're CSU and CU, like all of this is going to be irrelevant until these football teams start winning. And I'm not even talking like six and six. I mean, you got to, that's got to be like the baseline expectation yep. is like, yeah, we're going to be in a bowl game for sure. It's, are we going to actually win the league this year or not? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been that way in over a decade. And it's tough because people would buy in. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's not, Denver isn't like a town of bandwagon sports fans, but it's just the smallest town that is filled with every. There's so much to do. Like we, we, we focus on who's successful at the moment. And that's just kind of how it works when you have every single pro team and multiple division one universe. Like you can't, the whole city can't rally behind everything all the time. No. But we have seen, even when CU and CSU weren't very good, they were drawing 70,000 people to these games. It was doing decent TV numbers. I mean, if you got them back into a place, even like the mid-2000s, I'm not even talking late 90s, early 2000s, where CSU and CU were top 20, top 15. I'm talking like if both teams just win eight games a year, just be relevant and matter and, you know, across the country when people see your logo, they know, you know, a game that you played that year. Mm. And just... Stop being an afterthought. Because I'm tired of having the, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda conversation. And I just want to, for once, see us 
do it. Yeah, do it. See, Go to the next level. CU has the fourth biggest TV market in the Pac-12. And those are all, like, they're sports fans. They're just not fans when they have the Broncos, they have the Rockies, and then they have the Nuggets and Avalanche for the second half of the season. Like, that's, it. you have to be good enough to take advantage of that. And if they're good enough, they will take advantage of it. And that's their value, is that when they're good, they will bring numbers. They will be worth big amounts of money. It's just that banking on them being good has not been a good bet recently. Well, look, man, I mean, then maybe this whole kind of reshuffling, this kind of realignment isn't the worst thing because, I mean, obviously both programs have kind of fallen on tough times. They're not they're not in their glory days right now. Um, you know, these are kind of the darker days for both programs in recent times. So maybe reshuffling the deck and kind of just going up against different schools and giving yourself a, a different shot. Maybe that's what you need. I mean, Look at what's happened in the top 25 recently. Why can't Colorado be a team like Utah, Oregon? I mean, just last year, I mean, these are teams that were 12 and 22 in the AP poll. I mean, there were 10 win teams. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Colorado. For CSU, I mean, Utah State and San Diego State are in there in the top at the bottom of the top 25. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just that, you know, maybe that's just what they need. Maybe you need a chance to play some other teams uh, recruit other areas of the country um, and just yeah. kind of hit the reset button a bit because what's going on right now can't get much worse, honestly, right? Yep. The recruiting different parts of the country thing, like you might not be wrong, but you had LA. Like <laughs> you were playing CSU at least one is recruiting the year shit in LA. out of LA right now and doing a really good job. Yeah. And it's like the first time in a long time. LA is not Pac-12 territory anymore. It's like, it's not half Texas, half LA. It's you're just recruiting Texas now, I guess. I I know it's not LA, but I mean, look, man, Cal's still out there. San Diego state's still out there. I mean, Fresno state's still out there. I mean, you're not going to get that, the actual LA footprint now. I mean, it's not Pac-12 country anymore and it won't be whatever Colorado or CSU kind of end up in. It's not going to be part of that country anymore. But, I mean, you're going to have opportunities. Uh, look at the Big 12. I mean, Cincinnati, uh, you have as UCF joining too. I mean, you literally have the Midwest footprint. You can go to Florida. Um, you know, you've got teams on the East Coast too. So there's just opportunity, I think, for teams like Colorado and Colorado State in this process. I know it's, as Justin kind of let off at the top, it's kind of a destruction of what we've come to know and love about college football. But, um, you know, Things don't last forever, man. And maybe that this is maybe this could potentially just be a good thing for both CU and CSU. If they play I their feel cards like right. You should recruit California better because of this. That would be my theory. Just land the kids that want to stay close to home. You know, there you go. obviously yeah. you're not you're not gonna be able to get all of them. The top, you know, top guys still probably gonna wanna go out to Michigan and Ohio State and all that SEC, you know, playing the big thing, but I mean, there is so much talent, like in Los Angeles specifically. It's always been weird to me that in a, a state that produces as many elite college football players as California does, why have some of these other schools not been able to like consistently build winners? I mean, you look back historically, CU and CSU, when they have been their best, they have been built with talent from California, Texas, and then you sprinkle in, you know, like some local kids that are, you know, under the radar and from wherever else around the country, but it's California and Texas. And for some reason, it just like has not worked out. The, the big thing is, um, first of all, they don't have linemen. 
the you look at like where all the four star linemen are, and they're all like primarily just like Georgia and Florida and Alabama, but then occasionally you'll get some like in the Midwest as well. Um, but then they they produce all the quarterbacks, and that's what carried them for yeah. forever. But now the quarterbacks are leaving. Like they're not landing the top guys. I mean, I'm trying to think who they've lost. I mean, C.J. Stroud was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But by, I mean, basically all the big quarterbacks. When you look throughout college football, they about half of them come from Pac-12 territory, and almost none of them stay. And so when that used to be like the quarterback league, they would go up against Big Ten, which was the big kind of lineman league. And down south, it's more like the defensive lineman type type deal, but similar. Um, like it's you just lost your strength. You lost your strength, and now they're kind of screwed. Maybe they should just all go air raid. Let's just make an air raid league on the West Coast. Everybody go. throws 60 times a game. We'll get all the QBs, NLI deals. You know, it, hey, just... give me a triple option league, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Why not? Bring the wishbone yeah. back. There you In Colorado, go. though, it's about trying to make sure you get married to the good teams. You got Oregon. You got Washington. If Utah's involved, I think Colorado has a strong pitch to follow those three. Uh, compared to Washington State and Oregon State and Cal and Stanford, the two Arizona schools, like I'm not sure if they'd be the favorite, but they've got to be pretty close to it. That's what's next. Is saying like, "Hey, bring us with you." We know we haven't been holding up our end of the bargain, but we will. And do we just just bring us? I with think you? CSU and CU are very similar in that position, to where it's like neither of them are the top choice out of their conference. Mm-hmm. Like it's obviously Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12. In the Mountain West, it's obviously San Diego State and, and Boise State right now. But I think they both have the argument of, well, we have been there. We can do it. Like we have the Denver media market. We have the financial, you know, investment that some of these other programs aren't committing to athletics. I don't know. They just, I, I really do think CSU and CU would both benefit from trying to sell as, as travel partners to a league. But I, I don't, I don't know if that relationship is there to where that will ever happen. Absolutely. Um, it kind of sounds like we're wrapping up here, but I want to pose a question to you guys. I mean, we've gone this whole episode and we haven't even mentioned the college football playoff. How How is a championship going to work out in this format? What do we see happening here? I mean, is it possible to see a non-Big Ten, non-SEC national championship in college football after 2025? Is that a, is that still a thing that's possible? Is that attainable for these schools that aren't in these leagues? Are there I multiple titles? Is it just an SEC Big Ten championship? The winners from those two teams play, and then the winners of other leagues play. Like, I mean, I mean, it's it's tough to say how hard the break off is going to be. Whether that's the case, whether you end up with like a new kind of Division One between the Big Ten and the SEC, and that they kind of fight for their own title, and everyone else gets another one. But I mean, isn't that kind of what makes college football great? Though, is you know the underdogs, they're you're. 2008 Boise States, your, you know, your, um, I don't know, Baylor from, you know, 10 years ago, like these teams that aren't supposed to be there when they get there and how cool that is. I mean, you're not just going to completely eliminate them from possible championships, are you? I think, I, I mean, think you are. I mean, what well, it's the conferences that get votes. So the, the conf, each conference will, will get one vote. Um, it would have been nice if he could have locked in a format before all this happened. That's for sure. 
Um, but just say it stays the same, which is probably like the least likely thing to happen. Um, then, then you get like the, whatever the four highest ranked teams in the college football rankings. Honestly, it could help these other conferences get teams in because only one team can come out of the sec. Only one team can come out of the big 10. I think you get multiple from each, but you know, that's that's what I mean. Like that's, if you're the sec and big 10 and you're like, we have 90% of the best teams. Why would we agree to this format where only one of our teams is eligible? There's that, but again, Money. you run through who the top 10 teams were last year and what one, two, three of them, I guess three is not that many. Three, three of them are coming from the big 12. You've got one that's independent. I mean, I don't think it's quite that cut and dry, but I mean, yeah, yeah it's, at, we'll see. Sorry to cut you off there, but I mean, look at the bottom of the top 25 too. I mean, teams like Louisiana, Houston, BYU, uh, NC state, Utah state, San Diego state. I mean, or I don't think you're just exactly. You're not going to completely eliminate these teams from the discussion out there. I just don't think that that's that doesn't seem feasible to me. That just kind yep. of defeats the purpose of really kind of playing the sports. I mean, you're all recruiting against each other anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Why not keep competing against each other? Obviously, there's going to become a clear cut distinction between whatever the Big Ten and the SEC become, but they're still going to play other teams. Um, you know, you're not just going to see. Uh, I'm just using Michigan as an example here. You're not just going to see Michigan play SEC and Big Ten teams, whatever those teams end up looking like in 2025. I, I, I'd be very surprised if that happens personally. I mean, I still think you're going to see these teams coming up this year. I think you're still going to see CSU and Michigan in September. Mm-hmm. I think you're still going to see a lot of those matchups. I just don't think they'll be as widespread and diverse. Um, you know, as I mentioned off the top, the Appalachian State, Michigan's, the Montana, Washington type games. I just think that those have kind of gone by the wayside a bit. But saying that maybe the the quote unquote lesser teams don't have a chance to compete with the big boys. Yeah, I don't think that's entirely in a- accurate at this point. For the FCS teams, it is nice that they have the rule that says you get to count one of those as a win in terms of bowl eligibility. So there is an, some incentive to keep those. Yeah, I mean, it's it's college football. Everything's going to come down to money. That's the way this sport works. It all comes down to money. It's like baseball in that way. It's uh, I mean, right now it's easy to look at all these and say, yeah, I mean, there's all these teams from other conferences. After after these Big Ten teams have cashed five years of hundred million dollar paychecks, while all the other conferences teams are cutting down to twenty million dollar paychecks, you might see a wider gap. But as of right now, I think it's like the the foothold is there. The other conferences still have a foothold there. It's about what you do from here, whether you're able to hold on to that space that you have, whether whether you can find a way to improve it, which would be incredible, or just avoid totally becoming irrelevant and worse at football than these other teams because that's what it, that's what will come down to. And money really thrives who is good at this. Right. And I want to read a thread to you guys after. The, go ahead, Jake. After this, I'll go into it. Just the, I mean just the format of the college football playoff and what we have now in terms of conferences, just the math just doesn't work. You have five power five conferences. You have four playoff spots. I think that's where it's all kind of stemming from. Um, And, you know, Hank said it money, man. I think money is going to be a big driving factor, especially for the playoff and, you know, getting more money from a playoff means expansion. And if you're going to expand to shit, even eight teams, you know, eight out of the 40 or 45 in the Big Ten and SEC just doesn't seem, it just doesn't sound right to me. I mean, if you're going to expand, I think you want to still include, you know, um, wherever Colorado ends up, wherever Colorado State ends up, you still want to include those conferences, maybe 
not allow as many teams in, but I still think you want to have them included in the process. It's all that part's up to ESPN because they've got the rights to that, or at least they do now with their new format, they might change. But again, I want to go conspiracy theory. All that SEC money came from ESPN, right? No, yeah, they were ESPN. That's absolutely, it's ESPN and Fox. That's who's driving this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Big Ten's driving this one, ESPN's driving the other. So if ESPN wants to say, guess what, our games are the best, we're going to find a way to push for as many of our teams to get in. I mean, there's college football is in a lot of ways really gross. And this is one of those ways. This is a, I want to leave us with this thread. It's from author John Bacon. Bear with me. It'll take a sec because it's like six tweets. But a few thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. The immediate stuff. USC and UCLA reached out to the Big Ten, so if the Big Ten didn't accept them, the SEC surely would have. The kind of pressured decision all conferences have to make these days. Short run. This will be great for both USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, especially with the Big Ten's new TV deal being negotiated. It will soon shatter all records, so that's more money and power for everyone involved, which is what they want. Really, it's all they want. USC and UCLA will have a better shot at the CFP, and adding two blue bloods uh, is great records, traditions, uniforms, ETC, is better for the Big Ten, who gets a shot in the arm too. USC and UCLA's first few times around the league will be exciting for everyone, boosting tickets and TV. But the long run for USC, UCLA, the Big Ten, and the NCAA look different to me. After all, you can only sell novelty once. MLB's interleague play doesn't bump our pulse anymore. Watching Penn State and Nebraska is still cool, but it's not cooler than seeing your original rivals. Further, this will no doubt spark another round of musical chairs with Washington and Oregon and others bound to jump. Sooner or later, the destruction of these long, stable conferences going back more than a century will have been an impact on fan loyalty. Of course, this will create a crazy travel schedule for the athletes. Not a big deal for football, which travels the least, but for basketball, teams shuttling between New York and LA, we talked about this, it adds up. He's supremely confident, however, that the deciders don't care about any of that. He's also, and this is just his perspective, obviously. I'm, you know, they also don't care about the fan, fans who spend the time and money to attend the games. They will get more random kickoff times than ever. From a 2014 essay, the more college football indulges the TV audience, the more fans paying to sit in those seats feel like suckers. So what do they care about? From Fourth and Long, a novel in 2013. I'm sorry, this was longer than I intended, but I really like what he said. In the fall of 2012, the whole jigsaw puzzle had been tossed up in the air and all for two reasons, greed and fear. The fear that some other football team would make more money on its TV deal than you did on yours. Homer Simpson once told his boss, Monty Burns, you're the richest man I know. Yes, Burns replied, but you know, I trade it all for just a little more and they'll keep trading it all for a little more until there's nothing left to trade and the fans have scattered. That's just one perspective, obviously. Um, he d- dives into a lot of the stuff we talked about. It's a little bit more of a, a cynical view of how this is all playing out. But I do think it, it represents the, the greater theme here, which is that cash talks and, and bullshit walks in 2022. If you're the NFL, you, you wait till people just get bored enough, which is probably like, what, three years after all this stuff like kind of all comes together. And that's when you just launch a developmental league. And so you're like, oh, yeah, actually, if anybody wants to just play for us, we out of high school, we'll just give you 500 grand a year. And uh, you're maybe you're draft eligible immediately, but you have to play at least three years in this league before you can go to the NFL. Teams can develop you. They can have their own like development team if they want. They can send them around. Maybe they can't be drafted until they spent three years in that league. Who knows? But uh, 
you're getting close to the point where it's time to just pull the trigger and let the NFL recruit itself because it, kids want to go with the NFL. Arch Manning mm, would that, be in that development league. Oh, 100%. That has to be. He's potentially in it now. I mean, that has to be the goal for the Big Ten and the SEC, right? Um, you see, I don't want to compare them because the comparison is even close, but you see the, how the AAF, how XFL has kind of worked out in trying to get a, a semi-pro league going when, I mean, maybe the best semi-pro league that we have is whatever happens between the Big 12 or Big 10 and the SEC. I think that's got to be the goal for whatever those teams are going for is to get official, you know, NFL permission to throw their the shield on the whatever league this becomes and just label it as maybe the minor league, a feeder league, some kind of developmental league, because I mean, that's what college football is. I mean, it, it's about schools. It's about tradition and all that stuff. And in ways it is different than the NFL, but come on. I mean, people go to college football to go to the NFL. All right. Well, we are in crazy time. I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout the summer, throughout the fall. I mean, this is not the last piece of news. Wouldn't even shock me if we have another, you know, school announced that they're jumping ship between now and the next time we record. I hope everybody has a phenomenal 4th of July weekend. Stay safe out there. Stay hydrated. Wear lots of sunscreen, all that stuff. Uh, you know, anytime a holiday is on the weekend, things can get a little bit crazy. So just be careful. We love y'all. Uh, thank you for supporting our content. Much love. Peace. <laughs>